Hey, just a couple of special shout outs before we jump into today's episode. Happy birthday to my mother. It is her birthday today. And on the 10th, it was my brother's birthday. So happy birthday to both of you. I love you very much. And special shout out to my guy, Ben Zeno. Starting to work with him, getting the body right. Everything that I've done to this point has gotten me only this far. And at this point, I need a little bit of accountability. And I need a personal trainer. And I'm working with my guy, Ben Zeno. He is licensed as a certified personal trainer through the American Council of Exercise, majored in kinesiology. If you're looking to start your fitness journey with somebody, I trust this guy. You should too. Hit him up on Instagram at Ben underscore Zeno and mention my name. Tell him I ride with Benny T. He's going to get you hooked up with personal training sessions at 50 bucks a pop, which is pretty good. And if you mention my name, he's going to get you right. Also, my guy Tyler Pope down on 4th Street, the barbershop fades on 4th. If you're looking for a place to get your hair cut, go see my guy Tyler Pope. Tell him I ride with Benny T. He's going to get you hooked up with a supreme service for a special price for friends of friends of friends. That's what we are, right? So go down there. Go check him out. Go support local businesses. And if you're looking to get started to get that body right, <laughs> Summer 2022, right around the corner. Go hit up Zeno. And again, shout out to my mom and my brother. Happy birthday, guys. Love you. With Ben Tompkins. Oh, hey, oh, how's it going? How you doing? Good to see you. How you doing, everybody? This is Real Talk. I'm Ben Tompkins. We are presented by nobody currently, but these are the mixtape days. That's all going to change soon. How soon? Who the fuck knows? But I know that if I stay 10 toes down, good things, they're going to come. They're going to come. If you build it, they will come. We've been building and building and building, and uh, it's starting to really pay off. So, Thanks and shout out to everybody that's been along for this ride until this point. And thanks to everybody that's tuning in right now, getting in at a good time, because we've got a few announcements to run through here at the top of the show. And then this episode is mostly going to be a recap of the amazing, the excellent, the incredible trip that my mom and my sister and I just took out west to go visit my girlfriend at the Grand Canyon and see some of the beautiful national parks that this country has. So that's what we got on deck for you today, uh, plus some really good stories coming out of Vegas, not only from this trip, but also uh, some memories from past Vegas trips. So we got some good Vegas stories for you today, some good gambling stories, and I'm excited about today's episode. Now, here's a couple other things that I'm excited about that I want to run through before we start recapping this trip. Number one, I'm very proud of my guy, Connor Dewey, my very first intern ever. And Connor and I have been working on his podcast launch, and I'm very pleased to announce that Where To Next with Connor Dewey is now available on all streaming platforms. Go check him out. He just did his very first episode last week, and anybody that loves travel and 
exploring and new adventures and going new places and trying new things. I really think anybody that enjoys any of those things will enjoy his show. Um, I talked about this a little bit in one of the last episodes. Uh, You you probably noticed that I sound a thousand percent better the last time that you heard from me if you tuned into last week's episode. Uh, I recorded basically speaking into my microphone on my laptop inside of the car as we were like outside of a gas station and I was just like, hey guys, still on the road, didn't plan to be on the road this long, but here's where we're at and um, it went, you know, it was fine. It was a little four or five minute. I just didn't want to let a week go by without putting anything out. I, I have not missed a deadline yet since June 2020. I feel pretty good about that, so we kept the streak alive, and uh, I plan on doing that as I start to tell you about what's coming up in the future, and we'll get to that, but on that episode, uh, I, I talked about this as a bit of a pivot period. <laughs> Not getting tongue twisted today, all right? It's a little bit of a pivot period, and why I say that is because at this point, I need to shift my focus a little bit and really start to put myself out there and really start to build towards 2022. So this podcast is going to look a little bit different in terms of the content. We're still going to have episodes every single Wednesday. We'll probably have a little bit more frequent content, especially as I explain what the month of November is going to look like for me. We'll have some more frequent but shorter episodes, okay? But I'm really going to focus on interviews. I'm still going to be driving to make money, but I'm going to take my focus and the foot off of the gas a little bit in terms of the Uber stories just for a few weeks and through the month of November, and then we'll get back to those. Okay, they're not going to go anywhere. If one comes up during the weeks that is absolutely a banger that I have to share, I'll share it just to continue to kind of breadcrumb this thing along, but, um, you know, I really feel that I'm in a place, in a position where I'm ready to really start getting aggressive in putting this show and the clips and the concept and everything that I've been building month over month over month into the hands of people at these podcast networks. You know, I've been saying since the beginning of this, hey, just like Amazons and Netflixes and Hulus and Crackles or Cackles or whatever the hell it is, All those different places will buy up original content for television shows. They'll option a pilot, they'll pick up a show, and even if one is a massive hit, maybe even not even a massive hit, but if something goes three, four, five seasons, that usually makes up for all the misses that that they had. And so (laughs) whether this show is going to be a hit or a miss is yet to be seen. I personally believe it's going to be a hit, okay? I'm just, I'm not going to let this thing fail. I swear, <laughs> I swear, not till it's over. I, we're we're going to go in until until my heart stops, okay? I, I swear to God, that's my, my gift and my promise to you is that I will never stop going in, okay? But I need to really get serious and tighten up and send this stuff out, okay? Because I've been saying, hey, this stuff exists. And yeah, podcast networks, Spotify's and Wondery's and iHeart's and um, there's a handful of others, but I haven't reached out to anybody, and I haven't been shopping this around. I've been kind of waiting and building and wanted to get the open mic concept thing going and kind of show what this show can be. And uh, now it's time to really start getting serious about putting that out, 
you know, which is a scary thing. Like, let's be honest. Let's, there's some plausible deniability up until that point where you really start sending the stuff out, right? Whether you're a rapper and you're sending out your mixtapes or a podcaster and you're sending out your show, whether you're an artist trying to get it into uh, studios and art shows and stuff like that, there's always the risk that somebody's going to look at your creation and not value it as much as you do, right? Some people are just stupid. Other people are haters. Other people, they have to be proven over time that, hey, we think this is something, but I don't know. It's too early, right? Yeah, those are all the bums that missed out on Google stock. They were going, oh, I don't know, it's too early. And then boom, billion dollars right there. I don't know if it's a billion dollars, but I would imagine that it's probably up there. But (laughs) I think that I'm ready. I'm ready. And so that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to take the rest of this month and I'm going to take November while I'm traveling and I'm going to blitz the fuck out of the market. And I don't give a shit if it is the smallest Nobody's heard of this company podcast network that ever existed. If I get in and I can start earning some money and I can get some additional resources for the show uh, and I can have some more help than I currently have, then that's going to be amazing. And you got to start somewhere. Okay. For the last year and a half, I've been trapping out the condo basement in this beautiful studio that I've built for myself. But it's time to really start to take what I've done this year in going to different cities and launching the open mic sessions and sell that. And I'm more than capable of selling it. I'm going to sell it. And uh, <laughs> I hope you'll come along and continue along on this ride. All right? So I will be taking a break from the Uber stories for a little bit. I will be getting more aggressive in the pursuit of a deal Okay, I love a good deal, love a good deal, great deal, good deal, good shit, okay? That's what we're looking for. And um, once I lock that down, then we'll continue to go back to the Uber stories. And honestly, like after after November, uh, that's probably when... That's probably when I will go back to the Uber stories because the next couple weeks, that's what I'm going to be focused on. I'll still be driving to make some money, but... It's mostly going to be interviews over the next couple weeks and in the month of November. And I'm really excited about that. I've got a lot of really awesome guests that I've lined up. I've been spending a lot of time reaching out to people, booking guests, and I've got a killer star-studded lineup of people that I'm really excited to have on the show coming up in the next several weeks, okay? And in November, you're like, hey, you've mentioned this November thing. What the hell are you doing in November? I'm going to be traveling with my girlfriend. She's ending her season out at the Grand Canyon at the end of this month, and then I'm going to fly out there, and we're going to take like three weeks and go on a road trip. And you think, holy shit, that sounds expensive. Well, we're going to be camping at a lot of the different places that we're going to be visiting. And we're just going to pack up the car and go. And it's going to be awesome. We're going to go to like Yosemite. We're going to go to Death Valley. We're going to go to Joshua Tree. We're going to go up to Eugene, Oregon. We're going to spend a couple of days in the Bay Area. I have not been back to the Bay since 2018, so this will be the first time that I'm returning to what feels like my home away from home. The Bay is like, it's it's just, I, I, look, I could spend 40 minutes talking about this place, but I'm going to suffice it to say I cannot wait to get back there and go see my family. 
see my Bay fam, <laughs> this composite of people of all ages um, that uh, are really, really special to me. And I'm excited. So we're going to do that. Go see some buddies down in LA, go to San Diego, and then drive back across the country. And uh, I'm going to be gone for most of November. And then as soon as we get back, for some reason, I don't know why, but my family, uh, my parents told me that we're going to be traveling to Cabo for Thanksgiving this year. <laughs> it's pretty nice being a child of divorce, let me tell you, okay? You guys can have the families and the petty arguments and the, I hate this person, but I can't say it because that's not nice and you got to be nice to family. Save all that shit, all that snake in the grass shit. I would rather be on a flight on Thanksgiving Day going down to Mexico and spending time with my core family, okay, my brothers and my sisters and my mom, rather than a bunch of extended people that are really just haters with the same last name. That is real talk. Holy shit, this kid's ripping in here. Holy shit, this kid's ripping in here today, okay? But I'm just keeping it real. I'm just, that's that's my experience. Maybe you have a different one. Maybe you have the uh, Ward Cleaver, very nice suburban family, and um, that's that's awesome. I'm happy for you, okay? I don't envy that. I don't envy that whatsoever. But... That's what we're planning on doing is being down in Cabo for Thanksgiving. <laughs> so, um, and because I'm going to be on this trip with Maddie, uh, it's likely that I will be going down a day later than the rest of my family. I think they're going to fly down on the 24th, and I'm planning on flying down on the 25th. So, literally Thanksgiving Day, uh, I'll be on a flight, and um, yeah, I'm, you know what? Catch flights, not feelings. That's what they say, right? I mean, I literally, I am the epitome of that, Okay. So that'll be like until December 3rd and then at which point I'll be coming back to Louisville and then it'll be a couple weeks until Christmas and New Year's. We'll do the Christmas special. We'll do the New Year's special. In between that, I'll have lots of Uber Stories rides because I'm still going to be driving. I'm just not going to be doing the Uber Stories episodes because they just, dude, they take so fucking long to prepare and right now that's that's not where I want my focus to be. Okay, so... Once I get back, I'm going to be sitting on a treasure trove of stories, and through December, I'll still be doing Uber Stories episodes, and then it's the holidays, and then I'm really hoping that what I can accomplish in the next few weeks and while I'm on the road in November, I can lock down a deal so that by January 2022, I'm making some big announcements, hopefully before then, you know, hopefully before then. That would be amazing, but... Uh, you know, so I'm manifesting that shit. Okay. I'm putting that out. I'm basically throwing that ball up to myself and I'm going to go up and get it. I'm going to go up and get it. I promise. So that's what we're kind of looking at in terms of the interviews. Okay. This is going to be happening over the next couple weeks. So like next week on Wednesday, I'm going to have an interview and the next Wednesday I'm going to have an interview. And then at which point I'll be on the road. I'll be doing mini episodes and some storytelling for some of the places that Maddie and I are going to be going around to visit. I'm going to bring my microphone and my little audio box and my laptop. That's really all I need because I'm going to stick up some uh, like blankets inside of the car to really deaden the car, but I'm going to have like a perfect little studio and I'm going to bring my stuff so obviously the audio will sound a lot better. I'll have a microphone instead of just speaking into my laptop like last week's. But um, doing that last week kind of was like, hey, okay, we could actually do this and if you bring your stuff 
all I need is the microphone and a little bit of equipment, and now we have a mobile studio. So that's what November is going to look like, as well as some of these interviews. I've got Morgan McCombs, who's going to be coming up on the show. She is uh, one of the bravest people that I know, honestly, and one of the bravest people that I follow. I mean, when I met her, she was living out in San Francisco, and then since then, she has moved to New York City, and just like I had Shane Stewart on, just like I had Josh Sewell on, I just have a lot of respect for anybody that moves up to a place like New York or any kind of a big city. Uh, you know what? I, I have any... I. I have respect for anybody that leaves their comfort zone and the place that they grew up in order to pursue their dreams and their passions and growth as a human being. But especially if you go to a big city like New York or San Francisco or Miami, Chicago, one of these massive cities, and you're doing it and you're making it. And she has done that. She's been doing that now for years and she just launched a new platform on social media. It's on Instagram. It's at EmpowerNow, at I-M-P-W-R underscore now. And you can definitely go and check out some of her storytelling. She's going to be on, and um, I'm really looking forward to that. That's going to be a really, really cool episode. Robbie Bartlett is somebody that has ridden with me in the car, and I was like, hey, what do you do? And she's like, well, I'm a soul singer jazz singer, blues singer here in Louisville. If you've ever been to Jeff Ruby's or CeCe's Kitchen, you've probably heard Robbie singing. She is the the the, the one that's uh, holding it down in there. Jeff Ruby's is one of the nicest steakhouses, if not the nicest steakhouse here in the city. And she is their jazz singer, you know? So she's the talent. And um, I'm going to get her on and talk about her artistry, her inspiration, when she started singing, we're, we're, we're going to go deep. It's going to be an incredible episode. After Robbie, Tim Schladen is somebody that I've had on the show before, and he's a licensed clinical social worker. He's a leader of men's groups. He dropped a dime that I will never forget talking about the birthplace of creativity being vulnerability, something that I reference all the time, so I'm really excited to get him back on, go deeper on that, plus a lot of other stuff. Travis Bishop is a longtime friend and a Real Talk writer, just somebody that brings the vibes, man, just somebody that I, I've known since my freshman year at Trinity, and uh, I mean, that's just my guy right there, that's just my guy, so we're just going to chop it up on some real OG shit, talk about life, talk about uh, <laughs> living, man, just living, I'm, I'm excited to get him on. Nick Coffey is another longtime friend, and he is the host of The Red Zone on WKRD, and he is actually the guy that... I did my very first internship with Once Upon a Time back in 2013, and uh, we we have similar humble beginnings, and I just absolutely love this guy, and I'm excited to get him on the show. It's It's been too long. It's been too long. I don't know why I haven't to this point, but... Um, Maybe I figured, you know, you know, he's kind of big time. He's kind of really big time in this city. You know, he hosts the morning show on KRD. I don't know. You probably heard. You probably know, right? So would he have enough time for his little old intern that's now grown up? Luckily for me, he does. And uh, he's going to be coming on the show. We're going to be taping with all these people, and they'll be dropping throughout the next several weeks, okay? And then um, one of the last people that I have booked up here 
confirmed. I have other ones that are still locking down dates and times, and we're going to get them on the show. But one of the last confirmed guests that I have is Craig Wallace, who's the principal at North Oldham High School. And Craig and I go back a long time because back when I was a student at North Oldham, uh, you heard me talk about Trinity there for a minute. I was there my freshman year, and then I transferred to North Oldham. That's where I went from sophomore to senior year, graduated in 11. Craig Wallace was the assistant principal. He was one of two assistant principals, and he handled like M through Z, students with last names, disciplinary stuff. So we have a long-standing relationship, and... Uh, Yes, it's true. I was written up somewhere around 41 times, I believe, was like the the official, unofficial number. Uh, I have many of those slips, but 10 years later, they're starting to get really, really worn, so uh, the writing is not as good on some of them, but still really fun to go down memory lane, and uh, <laughs> there's a reason that they call me the kid with the motor mouth is because I used to give it to some of these teachers. Oh, my God. And... Uh, I found myself in Craig's office a long time. It wasn't that I was a bad kid. It wasn't that I was out here like defacing school property or lighting shit on fire or beating kids up or stealing or anything. It's just that I talked back a lot and my mouth got me in trouble a lot. And uh, yeah, some of those teachers with that righteous indignation, you know, they don't like cuss words. And <laughs> I've always struggled with that. And uh you know, Craig, uh, Craig, I think he really understood me. I think he really understood, and I shared with him what I was kind of going through, why I was prone to acting out, and he never judged me. He never thought, hey, Ben's a bad kid. Uh, he just knew that I had a tendency to be a knucklehead sometimes, and, and we kept it real. And I just think to come full circle and get to thank him for that and really go deep into um, not only him and his career, and being the principal of North Oldham now and taking that promotion, which is like, I got to think it's top three jobs in the state of Kentucky, to be honest with you. And um, I'm proud of him. It's been cool to watch him rise to his position, thinking about where we both started. And so to kind of wrap things up and come full circle and just uh, tell him how much I appreciate and admire him is going to be a really, really cool episode. So... That's what we got coming up for you. There's going to be a lot of good interviews. There's going to be a lot of real talk. There's going to be a lot of good storytelling, man. And I'm really excited about that. So, to have run through all of that in about 20 minutes, the kid is ripping today. I mean, the kid is just ripping today. The pod father, the Derby City Don, the kid with the motor mouth, all of them are true. All of them apply. And you know what? Here's where we transition into the trip recap. So we fly out Wednesday, September 29th, spent most of the day traveling, got in kind of late, flew into Phoenix, and then drove from Phoenix up to uh, the Grand Canyon at the South Rim at the Under Canvas location. Shout out to Under Canvas. Shout out to Maddie Miyahara, the guest experience coordinator, and she absolutely killed it. Everybody that was working at Under Canvas took care of us. We had the best time. I'm not even saying that. And they don't even pay me to say that. I'm saying that because it's fucking true. This is real talk. That's what we do. We had that great of a time. And Maddie set up an incredible itinerary of things to do for us. Wednesday we get in. She had been working. First thing that you're not prepared for, unless you have a good heads up, and which we did, but you think the Grand Canyon is just hot all year long right? It's the desert. 
But we get there and it's already in the 40s and we're like building fires in the tents. Now, Under Canvas is a glamping company and there's no electricity. They have electricity that's in the main tents, but in your actual tents that you stay in, they give you little battery packs so you can charge up your phone or your iPhone, but there are no plug adapters. There are no wall adapters. So, uh, and and the Wi-Fi was decent. The Wi-Fi was decent. I'll say that. Um, but you're out there because you love the nature. You love the outdoors. And you're really there to do more of that stuff rather than sit in a tent and sit on an iPad, okay? So we get out there and, and it's just, it's cold, man. It, it gets cold at night. And that was like the first thing. I was like, oh my God, it's 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 really cold. It's really cold. It, it gets up to like, I think it got up to 70s while we were there during the daytime, maybe low 80s, but it felt really good. I'm glad that we went in October and like, uh, you know, Last little bit of September, first little bit of October, because I've been out of the Grand Canyon on a trip last summer. We were there in June, Maddie and I, and it was just so hot, you couldn't even like, I mean, <laughs> your mouth was as hot as the desert floor. Like, it it, 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 it wasn't, I'm not going to say it wasn't fun, because I did have fun, but like, in terms of the temperature, that part was not fun. This part, it was incredible, okay? So we get there, we get settled in. And then we get up on Thursday and we did a hike at Shoshone. Now, this was a pretty easy hike. It was like dipping your feet in the water because we knew we were going to have a harder hike coming up that was actually into the canyon. So this Thursday morning hike at Shoshone was just kind of a, a good way to ease into things. It was almost like an appetizer. There's hardly any elevation. You're walking through the woods and the forest and you're coming up on really good views of the canyon. And this is a trail that Maddie likes to take people on just to introduce them to the canyon. To get that first shot of the canyon, it was a beautiful, clear day. So we had a really great visibility. I also saw my first tarantula. Maddie warned us, hey, we do have tarantulas out here. And I saw my first and only, only saw one. But I saw a tarantula crawling along the path, and it wasn't even a full-grown tarantula. She told me it was a baby tarantula. This thing is still big. It's <laughs> like, dude, okay, my two biggest fears in life, spiders and divorce. And you're going to take one of the biggest, hairiest spiders and put me right in front of it. But you know what? The shocking thing is, I'm, I think I'm, I'm, I'm more fearful of the thought of spiders rather than actually coming face to face with the spider because when I saw the spider crawling along the path I actually got pretty close to it took a video of it you can see all of the pictures and all of the things that I'm going to reference here I'm posting those on Facebook today if you're following along on Instagram at BennyTomp18 or at RealTalkWBennyT you've probably seen a lot of this stuff but I'm going to go ahead and put these albums up on Facebook so that you can go and see those as well so anything I reference I'll put them in chronological order so you can kind of see as I go through all of these different days all the different stuff make it pretty linear and easy for you to follow along but dude go check Check out this video of this tarantula and I even after I took the video I was acting like I was gonna touch it and like throw it at my sister and stuff boys will be boys you know what I mean but I I don't know man I, I did not want to touch this thing it, it, it honestly like I'm getting creeped out thinking about it now 
But when I was literally bending down inches away from it, I was like, oh, this thing's not shit, you know? Like, so it's a, it's a weird, the human mind is, is wild, man. It's, it's wild. But yeah, that was luckily the only tarantula that I saw the whole time. And only spider, as a matter of fact. Only spider that I saw the whole time. So I was pretty pleased with that. We did the hike in the morning. And then at nighttime, my mom booked a helicopter tour for us. So we went and did it with the company Papillion. And it was about a 45-minute trip. It takes off from the Coconino National Forest. You go up over the trees, and then you start to come up on the canyon, and all of a sudden, when you get over it, it's almost like the bottom just drops out beneath you because you're like, okay, we're above these trees, but it doesn't seem like we're that high up, and then as soon as you get into the canyon, it's like, holy shit, how did we get so high, you know? And it's because the earth literally just falls out, right? Um the helicopter tour was something that if you have the means to do it and if you really want to appreciate the Grand Canyon from a different viewpoint of either hiking it or seeing it at eye level, seeing it from an elevated surface is the way to go. Like if you can get up there and have that bird's eye view to really just appreciate how big this thing is. If you've ever flown over the canyon, in an airplane, right? You've got a pretty good understanding of what we're talking about here. But when you hike, like when we were down at Shoshone or at the South Rim and you're looking out at the canyon, all you can really see and comprehend is what's right there in front of you. As you look to the left and right, you can't even begin to fathom how big and deep and wide this thing is. But when you can see it up above, and you have that view and vantage point, it really puts into perspective just how big it is, and it makes you think, what the hell had to happen out here for this thing to be created? I, I You know, I, I should be able to school you on that and talk about the earth cooling and the plate tectonics and how the earth shifted and all that kind of stuff, but you know what? <laughs> I'm not a fucking geologist. I'm a podcaster. So, uh, yeah. I would highly, highly, highly recommend doing one of the helicopter tours. But if you do, do not do this one thing. Do not book one of the later times thinking that you're going to get awesome views of the canyon at sunset. We did the last time slot that you could do from like 4 to 5 p.m. The sun was going to be setting at some point in in between 4 and 5 p.m. But go when... The sun is high and you have a proportionate amount of light hitting all the parts of the canyon. Because when we were there, the sun was starting to go down. And on one side, you got the side that was like perfectly still lit and looked great and did look really cool. So there are some really awesome pictures that we got. But I was sitting on a side (laughs) that was mostly backlit. Backlighting is not ideal for pictures and videos. And you know what? I'm proud of myself for this. This is, um, this is, this is, look, this is real talk, okay? This is just human nature, I think, okay? It's like I'm sitting in this helicopter with my mom, my sister, Maddie, myself, and our helicopter pilot guide. 
who's doing an amazing job of showing us around, and they've got stuff that we're listening to through the earphones, so it's kind of like a, a guided tour. She's giving us some information, but we're also listening to stuff on the headphones. They're playing some music. Beautiful Day by U2 is playing. Um, Fly Like an Eagle is playing, you know. Made for some cool moments. But I'm sitting here looking out my window going, God damn it. All my pictures are backlit. You know, it's not until we started the turn or went the other way that I got the better window seat, right? Because they 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 do it in a way that they set you up to where they counterbalance like how much weight total is within this thing, the helicopter. And Maddie and my mom and sister, um, Maddie was sitting on the side with views of everything that was beautifully lit. My mom and sister were sitting up in the front seat with the pilot who's sitting directly in front of me. So on our side, not ideal, still really cool. On their side, perfect. And I literally was sitting here on a fucking helicopter over the Grand Canyon having to give myself a pep talk. Because I'm sitting here and my first inclination as a human being is like, oh, I'm getting gypped. I'm getting screwed. I'm over here taking pictures of, of, of stuff that's not great for Instagram. And like, I'm like, literally three or four times I had to be like, dude, 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 listen to what you're saying right now. Like, get over yourself. Okay? Just enjoy it, man. Enjoy it. Okay, they're going to take pictures of stuff that you might not be able to take pictures of, but guess what? They can send you those pictures, okay? Yeah, your side might not be the better side, but dude, you're still on a fucking helicopter on the Grand Canyon. Like, this is an incredible experience. Don't be a salty little bitch back here complaining about backlighting. Just enjoy it, man. Enjoy it, you know? Be along for the ride. Be here now. And I actually had to fight that, that, that human element and response, I think. It's a very natural response to be like, oh, like kind of get bummed out, you know, that your views aren't as better as other people and that kind of tendency to get petty and jealous and like, oh, they have it better than me and you start to be like, well, what the hell? And um, that can be a rabbit hole and, and really like, that's all self-pity, and it's all, it's it's just like, dude, look at what you're doing, okay? Can you remove yourself from the situation in order to realize that you're doing something that still, to be in this seat, a lot of people would do a lot of shit to trade places with you, and they're like, dude, if you're going to complain about it, and you don't want to be on that side and that ride, move over, because I will gladly take that seat. Reminding myself of that stuff sometimes and to get over yourself sometimes is is good. It's a healthy inner monologue that you have with yourself. And um, yeah, I, ha- I had to have that a few times. And then as the tour went on, we ended up like turning around to head back. And then look, I had all the beautiful lighting. But there were a few spots that I was like, damn it, I wish I could be getting pictures right here, you know? But it's like, dude, look... <laughs> I mean, you really want to complain right now? You're really going to be a salty little bitch? Are you serious? Get over yourself. So I did, and I absolutely enjoyed it. And I'm glad that I did because like, but but like, look, like I'm human and it took some pep talks to kind of push through that first instinct to be like, oh, dude, what the fuck? They have it better than me and blah, 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 blah. So I'm proud of myself, you know? I'm proud of myself for that. I'm giving myself a pat on the back right now. 
Okay. <laughs> we came back to camp after the helicopter tour and made some s'mores. At Under Canvas, they have these little packages that they'll give you with a s'mores kit. So they have plenty of Hershey's bars, these little cute bags that come with two marshmallows, individually wrapped graham crackers, and the perfect little mini steaks to roast the marshmallows on. And uh, sometimes when I go camping and we go to the farm with my brother, we'll, we'll grab some s'more stuff to make. But it's not very often that I have s'mores. Let's put it that way. It's not a very common thing for me to just be firing up some s'mores. But holy shit, they slapped. Great first full day. We go to sleep. Friday, we get up. And by the way, sleeping accommodations, I guess I should probably plug this as well. You're thinking, okay, you're glamping. What does that mean? It means we we got like, um, my, my mom and my sister were in a suite that actually had their own bathroom attached to it. Maddie and I were in like the mid-tier tent option, which meant that the bathrooms that we were using were, they were all individual bathrooms and most of them had a shower and then like a toilet and a sink. You go in there in the mornings and, uh, you know, the doors lock and everything. And it's not necessarily like a trailer, but you know, at music festivals where they have, they'll bring in like a trailer and they have individual bathrooms next to each other. It's kind of what it was like, except a lot nicer wood paneling and heating and cooling inside of these things. And they were very clean. And then, uh, the bed was like a a queen size bed. I believe it was very comfortable, Inside the tent, you have a little wood fire stove and they replenish your little uh, stash of firewood. So you've got plenty of firewood. Maddie was making the fires at the beginning and then a couple days into the trip, I was making the fires. They have plenty of fire starting kit and it's fun. I I don't know, burning shit's dope. (laughs) I'm such a 13-year-old boy. But building a massive fire, not even massive, but building a fire is cool. You know, it's a cool thing. Um... But that's how you heat the tent at night because at night, dude, it gets down to like the 30s and the 40s and it felt really good. But if you're not getting up to go and keep the fire going at nighttime, at some point, if you have to go to the bathroom or if you wake up in the morning and you take the covers off, you're like, oh my God, where did all this cold come from? But it it feels amazing. Like 40 degrees might be kind of cold for a thermostat. I'm usually, if I have it my way, I'm usually like a 65, 66 kind of guy. Uh, 40 is a little bit nipply, but it still felt really good. And coming from Kentucky where it's like 85 degrees through most of these last few weeks in the days, I'm like, dude, I'm just, I'm ready for some cold weather, man. I'm ready for some cold weather. So inside of the tents, it felt great. Uh, slept in some sweatpants and it was awesome. We had everything that we needed. They give you a couple chairs out there. We sat and had some white claws a couple nights and it was just, uh, it, it was really comfortable. It was really comfortable. So shout out to Under Canvas one more time. Friday morning, we get up. Now this is the day that we circled as being the hard hike day. Last summer when Maddie and I went out, we went on a small hike down into the canyon but we had her cousin and her Nana with us, and it was so hot. And look, Nana is one tough cookie. The woman is in her 80s, but she had no business hiking down far into the Grand Canyon. 
even though Maddie and I would have liked to have gone down further because we had her with us, we were like, all right, we're not going to listen. This is like the goal is not to kill Nana. Okay, so let's let's just go half a mile down, half a mile back. And it was tough, but we did it. And this time I was like, Maddie, I want to go definitely further than we went last time. So we kind of talked about a couple of different places that we could go. When people hike down into the canyon, one of the most common places that people get to and stop and turn around is called Ooh-Ah Point, where people go, Ooh-Ah. It's a very common stopping point. And as a matter of fact, I I can't remember the statistic. I think it's like, I don't know, 70 to 85% of people who hike down in the Grand Canyon stop at that point. I was like, you know what? I... I'm better than those people <laughs> in terms of hiking. I'm like, no, I'm tougher than those people. I'm better than those people. Um, I want to go further than those people. So we end up going down to O'Neill's Butte, which is about two, two and a half miles down into the canyon. All in all, the hike was about close to five miles. Going down is not the problem. Going down is the easy part. That's where a lot of people get messed up is because they start to go down and they're like, this isn't so bad. You overestimate how hard it's going to be to come back up. Going down is easy. Going hard is the bitch, okay? And so as we're going down, feeling pretty good, we passed Ooh Point, and then we get down to O'Neill's Butte, and we look at the map, we say, hey, this place is only maybe like another mile down. Do we want to go to that today or are we good? And I was like, you know what? This is a good stopping point, I think. This is a really cool spot. I'm proud of the fact that we went further and deeper than we went the last time by like, I don't even know what the math on that is, but by a lot, okay? Um, let's go ahead and turn around. Let's make sure that we can get back up this thing. And before you go down on the trail, there's a sign that says warning, and it shows this picture of a guy on all fours projectile vomiting, literally a constant stream of puke, like the epicac scene from Family Guy, and he is just vomiting all over the ground. This is the thing that you're passing, the visual that's provided for people to say, hey, this is not for the faint of heart. Make sure that if you go down, you don't have to be air vacked out of this bitch, okay? Because people go down, they think they can get all the way down and back up, and they have to have a helicopter come in and air rescue them. We're like, we don't want to do that, okay? So know what you're getting into, start small, and then build from there, okay? Because by the time that you're starting to come back up, everything that you've done to that point it's almost all switchbacks, which don't feel that bad when you're going down. As soon as you start to turn around and get back up, those switchbacks are motherfuckers. They are killers. And I'm it, it's it's only like 70 something degrees. We went pretty early in the morning. It was like 60s and 70 degrees. But I was still sweating like like nobody's business. I mean, shirt drenched, sweat dripping off of my eyebrows. And I'm constantly having to like brush my hair because I'm just like getting all the sweat down and, and, and shaking it off and stuff. And you know what's funny is 
this just shows my scientific knowledge, but I was thinking that as you went down into the canyon, it would get cooler because I'm thinking, okay, there's less sunlight in a house. If you think about it, the coldest part is always the basement and the hottest part is always the attic. So in theory, as we go down into the canyon, it should get cooler and cooler and cooler, right? <clears throat> Wrong. Okay. Because there's no airflow down in the canyon, the further that you go, the hotter that it actually gets when you go down, which is a really interesting thing, okay? But I guess makes sense, I don't know. Still kind of doesn't to me, but the airflow thing makes sense, I guess. But as you go down, it actually gets pretty, so it was a weird thing coming back up and then literally feeling, I mean, you can feel the change in like, once that wind and that airflow start to hit you as you get closer and closer and closer to the rim, it feels good. But if you're drenched in sweat and it's already a little chilly, you're like, oh my God, it's a little bit a little bit cold out here, a little bit nipply. But those switchbacks coming back up, by the time we were getting close to the lip of the canyon, my legs were starting to cramp up. Like they were on the verge of cramping. Um, every step that I took, like my my quad and kind of the front part of my thigh was just like tightening up and wasn't going full cramp, but it was one of those things that if I had clenched the muscle and tried to flex it really hard, it probably would have cramped and like not released. Every step that I took, it got tighter, but it would release because it was just like a step at a time, right? Didn't really give it that much time to lock up. <laughs> Had I sat there and messed with it or like tried to flex the muscle, it probably like I, I I would have been screaming. Like it would have been bad. It would have been bad. So I didn't do that, you know? But I'm glad that we went as far down as we did and then stopped because you overestimate when you're going down, you're like, oh, this is a piece of cake. This is, you know, and then you start to go back up and you're like, holy shit. We stopped multiple times. There's no shame in that. And you guys know how I get when I go on these hikes, right? The deeper that I go, the deeper that I get. So as I'm coming back up, I have one of these big takeaways. And I'm thinking about how a hard hike is a lot like life, right? Because I'm watching my mom and my sister, who absolutely killed it, by the way. They finished before Maddie and I did. I finished a little bit before Maddie. Maddie wasn't really feeling great. She was dealing with some sinus stuff and her breathing was a little bit difficult with the altitude. So she was kind of bringing up the rear and I was like, honey, do you want me to stay back with you and finish with you? And she was like, no, it's cool. It's cool. You just keep going. I'm going to go at my own pace. And I was okay doing that. And she was okay with me doing that. And mom and Jillian, they went ahead and we were both okay with that happening as well. Because nobody ever wants to feel like the person that's holding other people up. And it's like, if you've ever been on a hike with somebody and you are telling this person, go ahead, please, I will catch up. Don't worry about me. I will see you with the car, like whatever the case is. And the person holds back and they wait for you like at all these different points and you're like feeling kind of bad about it because you're like, dude, I told you not to wait for me. You're waiting on me. You're changing what you're doing based on what I'm doing. I'm telling you, go ahead. I don't want to be responsible for you or your time. And I don't want to feel rushed. I want to feel free that I have like, that I can just go at my own pace and not have to worry about, oh, I got to hustle because they're standing at the top waiting on me. Like none of that shit. None of that shit. Okay. And the other thing is, 
if you've ever had that person that that's like, oh yeah, like I don't mind waiting, but then they say stuff and they make little comments later on in the day, like, yeah, well, we had to wait for blah, blah, blah. And I'm the person that'll clap back and be like, dude, I told you to go ahead. No one told you to wait. You did that on your own. That's your damn fault. That's your dumb ass. You feel me? Like that is you. Okay. So don't come saying those little things to me because you decided to hold yourself up when I told you many times, go ahead, I'll catch up to you, okay? And when my mom and my sister, they would they would take some breaks and then I would catch up to them and Maddie would still be below and it was like, hey, should we go down there? Should we wait on her? I'm like, no, listen, she doesn't want that. And um, they understood, but I was trying to explain this to my mom and you know, my mom was like, my mom's probably a bigger hippie than I am and I love her for that. But I'm like, mom, listen, she told us to go ahead, that it's totally fine, that she doesn't want us to wait and feel like she's holding us up. And it's every man or woman for themselves when you go out and do that. I can't come and walk those steps for her. She's got to do that herself. And no one is going to come and save you, you know? And that's a lot like life. A hard hike is a lot like life. You choose the path that you want to take. And most of the time, you will have people who are there to support you and encourage you and cheer you on from afar. But ultimately, that is your path. You've got to walk it. That's the one you've chosen. You've got to be the one to walk those steps. And no matter how hard it gets, no one is coming to take those steps for you. No one's coming to drag you to the finish line. It's got to come from within. You got to be able to hype yourself up dig deep and find that next gear in order to keep going. And my mom, you know, she didn't want to really hear that because here I am like, I'm trenched up, dude. I'm like, you know, <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm getting up this fucking hill, right? On my own timetable, independent of anybody else, it's like, hey, I'm going to make it. And I'm here to cheer other people on And the other people who are on the path that I pass, I'm here to give them a smile or a thumbs up or a nod of encouragement, tell them to keep going. But ultimately, just like anybody else that I pass on that path, I can't walk those steps for them. And that's 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 how life is. Like I can want you to be successful in your sales job or in your chiropractor job or in your lashes business or your haircut business or your automobile business. I can want things for you, but I can't make them happen for you. I can only be here for you and support you and cheer you on from afar, but like you've got to be the one to do those things in order to be successful. You've got to be the one to build the business. You've got to be the one that stays up late at night working on shit. You've got to be the one in the trenches. It can't be me. It can't be me. I think a lot of times we start something and like, if you've ever talked to somebody that maybe they started a business but then it failed and it failed because they weren't willing to, they they just weren't all in. They just weren't all in. And they started this business thinking, I'm going to have all these friends and family that are going to come in and help me and I won't have to do that much. And then the business fails and they sit there and they're petty for the rest of their life and they're 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 just ugly and toxic about it and they have a really bad attitude about it and they blame others for their failure and that failure but the real failure is failing to realize that it was their thing all along and that no matter how much love and support and encouragement they received from their friends and family they had to be the one to build that business and if it failed it was 
because of them. Ultimately, it was because of them. That's life. That's life. That's life. That's life. That's life, you know? And a hard hike is a lot like life. You choose the path that you want to go, and we might go at different paces. We might go at different speeds. You might finish before me. But guess what? That's the path that I chose. And if I wasn't prepared to live with the consequences of choosing that path, then who can I really be mad at but myself? You know what I mean? That's how I look at it. And you'll have people that maybe they don't go down as far as you. Maybe they don't go as fast as you. Maybe they don't go at all. Maybe they hang out at the top of the rim while you go down into it and they're not a hiker. But they're like, they're with you, but they're not with you. You know what I mean? And that was one of the things that I was saying to Maddie as, as we would take breaks and then she would catch up. It's not like she was way behind us or anything, but it's just we weren't all lockstep. And I, I wasn't that far behind mom and Jillian, but I wasn't right with them the whole time. And I would tell them, I'm with you even when I'm not. You know what I mean? That's a deep one. I'm with you even when I'm not. Is that I will always be in your corner. I will always be there to build you up and encourage you and gas you up even when I cannot physically be there with you. I can't be there with you every single step of the way on your path in life. And that's true for them as it is for you listening to this right now. I can't I can I can gas you up, I can motivate you, I can try and speak to whatever is going on in your life, but I'm not going to be with you every single day or every single week, you know? You've got to be the one to take those steps. And I'm with you even when I'm not. That's a good one. That's pretty deep. But these are the things that are going through my mind as I'm like gassing myself up, having to hype myself up to get up this thing, trying to have my leg not cramp. Finally, get back up to the top. And man, that feeling of sitting down, like I was describing, it's much cooler at the top. You've got airflow. I'm drenched in sweat. And it just feels like, oh my God, this feels nice to just sit down. And I told them, I was like, hey, I know we've got a lot of stuff that we've got planned and packed into these, you know, this week, but after we hike the Grand Canyon, I don't want to do shit. So don't ask me. Don't tell me we're going anywhere. I want to shower. I want to lay down in bed, and I don't want to be bothered for shit. And and maybe I wasn't clear enough. I thought I was uh, at the risk of starting a fight here, you know, I'm, I'm going to make that little little comment, okay? But we get back to camp we shower and then it's like, hey, let's get in the car and go to Flagstaff. And I was just like, dude, I thought I made it pretty clear. All I want to do is lay in bed the rest of the day. But you know what? I'm glad I was outnumbered. I'm glad that I wasn't like Mr. Downer for the rest of the day, even though I was fucking gassed. Okay. I'm glad I got up. We went to Flagstaff which has very Boulder, Colorado vibes. Flagstaff was one of the cooler places that I think we got to see. Had some chicken wings and some buffalo mac and cheese, which was like the first meal of the day that I was eating. And after I don't know how many thousands of calories we burned, basically doing one-legged stair steppers and lunges and squats up the Grand Canyon. I was famished, so had an awesome lunch in Flagstaff, did a little shopping, and I also hit the dispensary for some edibles because Arizona is one of the states that are more enlightened in this country where they have 
medical marijuana and recreational marijuana both legal. And uh, we went to one of the dispensaries and I grabbed some lemon pound cake. They had like a hundred milligram lemon pound cake, kind of a square, delicious. I got fruit punch and lemonade drinks that were a hundred milligrams each. And I got two cartridges. And um, I love edibles. I really do. I love edibles. Um, I think that if you take the drink edibles, like sodas or the juices, and you mix them with some alcohol, like I like to make uh, the these, you know, I, out in Vegas, they had like grapes, so I'd put that with some Sprite and Ciroc and make some, um, you know, THC lean fire. But as soon as I got this stuff and got out of the dispensary and placed my order and was waiting to be picked up by uh, by the girls, man, I probably drank like 40 or 50 milligrams of the fruit punch. And it just, I mean, the body after that hike, putting some medicine into it and just taking it easy the rest of the day, getting full and then having that, it was like, oh my God, I'm in heaven right now. This feels amazing. This feels incredible. You got to be careful about the milligram consumption. <laughs> One of the biggest errors that I guess I ever made with edibles long time ago. You know, the thing is, they taste so good. The companies that make these edibles now, it's it's truly gourmet shit, like five-star shit. So what you're eating not only is going to get you high, but it tastes really good. And if you're drinking something especially, it's easy just to kill it all and then be like, holy shit, I just downed a lot of weed, you know? One of the very first times that I was messing with edibles we were out in Vegas for Christmas. This is 2015. And my mom got us these tickets to go see Jersey Boys, like the Broadway show. And my brother and I, we split like a brownie. Didn't really realize the whole milligram thing just yet, like the nuances of that. And I'm pretty sure we split a 500 milligram brownie and just like faced the whole thing between us. And we were both so high. We had tunnel vision and we were both passing out watching Jersey Boys. And of course, my mom was not thrilled with us about that because she was super hyped to go to that. And we were both just like so high. It was just, we were uncomfortably high. We were uncomfortably high. So don't overdo it. You know, you can always take more. Please enjoy that kind of stuff responsibly for all my younger listeners out there, okay? But um, yeah, man, edibles are just the shit. They're, edibles are the shit, okay? Once we get back to camp and I'm already feeling good, finally I can lay down and I've been waiting and waiting and waiting um, on October 1st, this is that Friday, The Many Saints of Newark came out on HBO Max. It's the prequel movie to The Sopranos. And I'm telling you, dude, this thing is a slap. I absolutely was loving every minute of it. Uh, there's a couple of scenes that show like wide shots, but you can hear what some of the people are saying before it zooms in. And there's just a couple, there's like two scenes in the movie where you just hear these epic O's and they're just made me laugh. I just, man, I don't know. Italians are my people. Um, I love Italian culture, and uh, that movie is just, I was scared. I was really scared because I love the Sopranos series so much. I was scared that this movie was going to fall short. It was not going to do it justice. It was going to be a blemish on what is one of the greatest television shows in the history of television, and yet this thing lived up to the hype, and I absolutely recommend anybody watching The Many Saints of Newark, okay? Um, 
Yeah, this was also the night that I built my first fire, which I felt pretty awesome about, you know? There's something about the self-reliance thing. It's just, it feels good to be like, yeah, I did that. Like, dinner, caught it, scaled it, cleaned it, cooked it, ate it, you know? Now, I didn't go that far, but like, <laughs> warmth in the tent, grabbed the firewood, used the starter ball, used the kindling, built it, nurtured it, got this thing ablaze. Like, I felt pretty good. I felt pretty good about that. And then we went to bed. Uh, Saturday, woke up, had breakfast in the morning. Um, Maddie had to work on Saturday. So she had Thursday and Friday off. So she was able to do all that stuff with me and mom and Jillian. But then Saturday, she had to work. So mom and Jillian and I drove to Sedona. And we really didn't do much hiking on this day simply because of the fact that we went so hard the day before. Everybody was a little bit tight, a little bit tired. So we really just drove around. We went to, uh, if you go to Sedona, there's a place called Snoopy Rock, which is really cool. I highly recommend going to see it. It literally looks like Snoopy laying on the doghouse. And it's 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 uncanny, the resemblance. But it's really cool. Snoopy Rock, go check it out. Um, we had lunch in Sedona. One of the places that I've been to before in Sedona that if you're thinking about doing one of those trips, there's a place called the Birthing Cave. It's really famous. Maddie and I went last year. And there's a there's a there's a pretty good story about that where there was like I, I'm a climber, okay? When I go out and I see these rock formations and I see these really tall peaks, I just want to climb shit. I love rock climbing. But you gotta be careful and you can't let your grasp exceed your reach. Okay, because getting up, no problem. Getting down and falling, that's not good, okay? And I had to learn this the hard way. Last year at Sedona, in the birthing cave, there's like this little, it's a, I don't even know how to describe it. It looks like somebody took like this big marble out of this cave, okay? And you can like get up to it, and I wanted to sit in it. You really just take pictures by it. But I'm the guy that's like, oh, I want to get up there, you know? Where do you want to go? There. Okay. So I finagle my way up to this thing. I get up there. I'm sitting in it. No one even got a fucking picture, which I'm probably the most upset about still to this day that no one got a picture of me sitting in this thing because they were all too worried about, oh, my God, how's this fucking kid going to get down? And as I sat there like, oh, my God, how am I going to get down? It's pretty steep. Um, it's... uh. It's like a, a curved rock. Uh, it, it's it's like a, it's it's almost like a slide. So I'm looking at this thing like, okay, am I about to skin my ass sliding down this thing, or am I gonna try and just like take off running and go matrix on their ass and try and account for the curve and run down this thing? Well, as I'm sitting there trying to figure out my best plan of attack. There's a crowd that's now gathering where people who wanted to come up there to take their picture are now all equally worried and watching and curious as to how my dumbass is going to get down from this thing without either disaster or getting seriously injured or like they're like, oh my God, what's going to happen? So now I've got like a peanut gallery of 15 to 20 people down below and I'm thinking, thank God I'm not with my family because my mom would be freaking out. Maddie's Nana can't even watch. She has her arms folded and she keeps on just turning her back to me because she doesn't want to see what's about to happen. And I'm like talking to Maddie down there. I'm like trying to hype myself up. And I just decided, you know what? I got this shit. And sure enough, I took off running down this thing matrix style and just 
I don't know how, but I, I made it. I, I stayed up and it was fine. And I was like, see, I knew all. But dude, my legs were shaking. My adrenaline was pumping. People clapped when I made it down to the ground. But it was really like, I was like, God damn it. I can't go anywhere without something being like this, you know, causing a scene, good or bad, right? Um, we did not go back to the birthing cave. On one of these next trips, I will have to go back and reminisce. But that was just another fun little story of being out there. But a couple of different options to do if you're going to go to Sedona. Birthing Cave, Snoopy Rock, and just go have a lunch somewhere. And just absolutely enjoy it. Sedona is like Mars. It's what I imagine Mars to be like. Because it's just the the redness of the rocks and the rock formations. It's just, I don't know, it's like another planet. It's, it's unlike anything I've ever seen in my life before. And if I was gonna go and like touch down on the surface of Mars it's what I imagined Sedona to look like so that was during the day on Saturday and then at night this was our last night at under canvas because after this day mom and Jillian and I continued on our road trip and said goodbye to Maddie at the Grand Canyon where she's still working for the next couple weeks but we ended up staying around camp to do trivia night and Maddie and her co-worker led Trivia Night. <laughs> we came in dead last. And there was a lot of pressure, not going to lie. No, I'm just kidding. But it was like us and another team that was kind of bringing up the rear out of maybe six or seven teams. And um, as much as I love my mom and my sister, mom chimed in with a couple of right answers. Jillian didn't have a ton of... Uh, Stuff to add to the team. She brings something else that is intangible, right? The energy and the vibes and just a fun person to be around, but really didn't offer much in terms of uh, answers. So I'm sitting here like pretty much guessing almost all these things and talking with them. But there was a, I mean, you know, I, I'm, I'm not that great at trivia either. Um, I know a lot of random shit, but when I'm put on the spot and I really have to think about it, my memory is terrible. So we got like nine points total. And what was funny is they had this system where at the end of each round, they would collect your slip and then they would read off the right answers and then they would tally who got what right. And then they would write that on this like piece of uh, paper, right? With a big marker. So... <laughs> As I'm sitting there at the very end, I'm thinking, all right, we did not come in dead last, guys. Good job. And actually, we did come in dead last. It was just that they scored somebody else's card before us and hadn't updated it. And so when they updated it and then ours was updated, we ended up coming in dead last. But you know what? We had fun. All right? We had fun. Um, and um, throughout that time, I took the fruit punch drink and they had blood orange pellegrinos like the sparkling water which were really good and i took some of that with some vodka and put some fruit punch in it and just made this dirty little drink all night long and i was just it's fire it was absolutely fire the blood orange with the fruit punch you got to get you some of that man the bitty tea special over here so that was our last night at camp and then sunday we get up we leave the grand canyon to begin the rest of our trip um, said goodbye to Maddie. That was tough, but knowing that we're only a few weeks away from our trip, um, it made it easier. And, uh, I was, I was, you know, we spent a lot of good quality time on this trip. So I left in a pretty good place, but 
we get down to Flagstaff and we're eating lunch. And in all of the kind of, uh, the not, not the rush, but like the hoopla of packing the car up, loading stuff up into the rental, putting stuff in Maddie's car, getting stuff from Maddie's car. I had borrowed her keys and I had borrowed her keys and I totally meant to give them back to her when we said our final goodbyes. But we got to Flagstaff, which is about an hour away from the Grand Canyon. And then I realized, oh my God, I still have Maddie's keys. And obviously we have to turn around and go back. So we eat lunch in Flagstaff at The Habit, which people from Kentucky or Indiana or Ohio, we don't have a habit that's anywhere around here. The first time I ever had it was out in California in the Bay Area. I would go almost all the Saturdays after I would go and get done playing flag football with my guys. I would go to the Habit and eat the Santa Barbara char. Holy shit. Let me just snap off on this thing for a minute. Two fat patties with gobs of melted cheese sitting on a bed of lettuce, tomato, onions, and pickles with an avocado top layer and all of this in between the most perfectly toasted pieces of sourdough Texas toast you've ever seen in your life. Go and look at the pictures up in this Facebook album. Holy shit, your mouth is going to start watering. And then, of course, slathered with ketchup and the french fries. The Santa Barbara char is like one of the best burgers I've ever had, dude. It's so good. I love the habit. I miss the habit. Did not realize that they had a habit in Flagstaff. So when I saw that, I was like, oh, please. And mom had eaten there with me before on one of her trips out to the bay. So she knew what she liked. Jillian was happy. I love the habit so much, dude. If you had the habit, you know I'm not capping. This shit is fire. Dumb fire. So after we eat, we drive back to the Grand Canyon, okay? Lose a couple hours on the trail, but... We were just driving that night into Page, Arizona to go see Horseshoe Bend and then stay at a hotel actually in Antelope Canyon, which is pretty close to Page. So after we finish lunch, drive back, we give Matt your keys back, then we continue on to Page. We end up getting to Page and Horseshoe Bend right as the sun is about to set. So it was actually like the perfect time to get there. It's like I planned it or something, right? I mean, look at that. Even my misses are hits, okay? We get there and absolutely just enjoyed a sunset there at Horseshoe Bend. Again, if you've never seen it, Google it. Go check out some of the pictures that I posted. It's 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 really cool. It's It's totally scenic. The Colorado River bends around this big jutted out rock, and it looks dead ass like a horseshoe, obviously, hence the name. And it was weird because when I went there last year, I've only seen it twice now, but when I went there last year on this this trip I keep referencing, um, there was like nobody out there because not only was travel restricted, like international travel, so all of the people from other countries that come to these big monuments, they weren't there. And because it was COVID, people weren't really traveling in June 2020 as much yet. And... There was hardly anybody there. And I got this picture on this big rock standing alone. And it's it's really cool because I'm you could just see me as this little tiny speck amongst these huge rocks. And when I looked at it and we got there this time, only a year, almost a year and a half later, um, tons of people, dozens of people all around. And it was just like, damn, we got to see this shit in what felt like a private tour because... There was just hardly anybody out there. 
but it was cool. Saw the sunset and then checked into the Best Western there in Antelope Canyon. This is Sunday night, so we order a pizza and we got back just in time for the second half of Belichick versus Brady that night, which was a banger. Shout out to Tom Brady. Shout out to Belichick as well. Love that guy. Um, my sister thought it was really funny as I started to tell her about like his press conferences and how grumpy he is. She just she loves that guy now. She's like, oh, I want to see him be grumpy. Um, but it was it was like I, I really wanted to watch that. I mean, that's probably one of the top games of the season, and uh, I got to catch the second half of that, which was really cool. Monday morning, we wake up in Antelope Canyon, and Mom booked us a kayaking tour. Now this was really special. So we kayak about two miles, and then we get to this little spot, the stopping point, and then it's a quick hike up into Antelope Canyon, and then the tour guide takes you, and you get to walk through the canyon, which absolutely is just, I don't even know how to describe it. It looks like it's its spinning or something. Antelope Canyon looks like a piece of clay that's being spun and molded by somebody sitting at one of those little things that are like hitting it like a gas pedal and it's just spinning it and they're just taking their fingers and rubbing it through the clay. It looks like warp speed or something has run up against these rocks. It's trippy, dude, but it's its just, you have to see a picture of it to, to even begin to comprehend what the hell I'm talking about because there's no words that are going to, describe what this place looks like but it's 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 incredible it's incredible we got to walk up in there take a bunch of pictures you can either do one of two things so we did the kayaking tour and then with a guide that takes us up into it but it's really kind of like a self-guided thing once you get up there the other way to do it is to go through like a massive tour company that takes a bunch of different people and it, it just didn't sound like the same experience. So we did kind of the more semi-private thing. All in all, it was probably like a five-mile kayak, which does get a little bit tiring. And um, I was in my own kayak. Me and the instructor had the only single kayaks. Everybody else, Mom and Jillian and like the four or five other people that went with us, uh, or like groups, okay, the little tandems, they all had double kayaks, but I had my own kayak, and the instructor and guide had his own kayak, so it was kind of cool, I kind of like that more, you can kind of control your own destiny a little bit more, even though Mom and Jillian did great, and everybody else that was with us did great, but I don't know, I, I, like, to, I like to be the captain of my own ship, you know what I mean, so I was totally cool with that, and uh, Antelope Canyon, definitely dope, Leave Antelope Canyon that morning and afternoon, and then we drive into Bryce Canyon, and thank God that we got out and stopped at a few places in Bryce, because the next day was calling for rain, and it did end up raining. We didn't get to do much. We ended up just kind of taking that day, even though we were tired from the kayak stuff, and saying, hey, you know what? Um, let's go and see this stuff. Let's take the pictures. We didn't really hike that much, but we did just get out along the drive to 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 see Bryce Canyon, which is also really cool. Um, I love to climb the rocks, man. I, I I did it at the Grand Canyon. I told that story about the birthing cave, and then I did it in Bryce too, just climbing up these big rocks. 
making sure that I can get back down safely, but also scaring the shit out of my mom in the process, which boys will be boys. You know, boys, we, we love to do that, right? I think it's like an attention thing that we want from our mothers. I'm not going to get too psychoanalyst here, but uh, yeah, something about a mom being like, oh, no, 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 no. It's like you want to continue to do that. And perfect little quick story about this. If this tells you anything about who I am as a person, one of my favorite stories that my mom tells me about me when I was a kid is that I used to take her makeup and I used to stand over the toilet when I was like a year or two years old when I could start to walk and shit. And I would wait for her to run in because she knew exactly what I was doing. I would wait until she ran in and was visible in the door frame, and she would stop and she would say, Benjamin Charles, don't you dare. And I would take the makeup and I was holding my hand up like I was going to throw it in the toilet. And as soon as she said those magic words, Benjamin Charles, I would throw it in the toilet, flush the toilet, and then run out as she ran in to try and save all the makeup from going down the toilet. Oh my God, I was such a little shithead when I was a kid, Dan. This is obviously before ADHD medicine and, uh, you know, I don't know if it's great to stick a two-year-old on amphetamines, but, you know, I probably needed it at that point in my life, honestly. Like, my terrible twos <laughs> kind of continued until my 20s. Let's put it that way, you know? I, 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 hey, 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 hey. <laughs> okay, moving on. Um, yeah, okay. Tuesday, 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 okay? In the morning, it was raining, and so it was raining pretty hard. I was kind of bummed because there's a place called Inspiration Point, and if you Google Inspiration Point, uh, you got to see this place. I mean, uh, the rocks look like icicles or like quartz or something. I don't. It, it's just the way that they're formed and the way that they look. They're tall and skinny, and they're in bunches, and it's just... It's incredible, but we did not get to hike to Inspiration Point because they didn't want to go, my mom and sister didn't want to go the distances in the rain, and honestly, it was raining so hard that I really didn't want to do that either and risk my phone getting all wet. So we drive from Bryce to Zion, and by the time that we got to Zion, even though there was rain in the vicinity, it had stopped raining, and we basically missed the rain for long enough to take some really cool pictures, have a really clear, nice, sunny drive through Zion National Park. And Zion became my third favorite park that I've ever been to. Okay, so I'm going to rank these real quick. Number one, my favorite park, National Park. Okay, we're talking national parks, not just United States, but abroad is Triglov National Park in Slovenia. It's where Lake Bled is. Lake Bled is my favorite place in the world, and Triglov National Park is like the Julian Alps and Lake Bled, and it's just like, dude, you got to see this thing to, 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 to even believe that it's real. It looks like a fairy tale from a movie scene, you know what I mean? Um, that's my number one favorite national park. Number two is Yosemite, El Capitan, Half Dome. Yosemite is just like breathtaking. And then Zion is number three. Honorable mention Yellowstone, but Zion became my number three dopest park that I've ever been to. This place just, dude, from the drive and you see these white rocks with this texture that kind of looks like um, like the Antelope Canyon thing, the way that you would just imagine just taking a piece of clay and just like rubbing a comb through it. And you just have these really unique lines that look like they were intentionally crafted or something. I, I 
it's incredible. It's incredible. And then you've got these layers of rock. So you've got white at the top. And at the beginning of the drive into the park, you've got a lot of white that you're seeing on the rocks. But then the further that the rock is exposed, like you see that that's actually the top layer. And then you start to see these red layers underneath it, depending on how tall the rock formation that you're looking at is. And they just vary in darkness. They get darker as they go down. It looks really cool because... It's contrasted against green from the shrubbery and the bushes that grow all over these rocks. And it's just absolutely breathtaking. And the rocks are so big themselves that you're just, (laughs) again, it's like, what happened here? Like, what created this shit? Like, these are such big things that we're looking at. And it just makes you feel, it humbles you. It really humbles you. It humbles you because it reminds yourself of how small and insignificant we really are, you know? And how short our lifespan is on this earth. You know, we're talking about your life or my life. Hopefully, we both get to see 80 years old, right? And that's an average lifetime. Now, as modern medicine continues to develop and people are living longer and eating healthier and stuff and working out, 100 is kind of becoming more of the norm. But typically, we think of a lifetime as 80 years. We're looking at rocks that are 4 billion years old, you know? I can't, it's 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 like you can't even fathom how old that is or how big this shit is until you're standing in front of it just like huh 4 billion so yeah man go and check out Zion Zion is like I, I I could spend 30 more minutes raving about this place but we stopped in at a gift store after we drove through there was a lot of stickers uh some of them were like slightly inappropriate stickers, which I loved. There was one that said s'mores before whores, and it had this really delicious looking s'more on it, and I liked that one. And then the other one that I really liked, <laughs> it just said, be kind or die, with a smiley face on it. And I was like, you know what? That's the kind of vibe that I'm on. Like, you're dead to me, you know? Be kind or die, you know? Like, get the hell out of here. Decrease the surplus population and be on your way about it, you know? Be kind or die. It's that simple. It's that simple. There is one thing that I did not get to do in Zion that I wish that I got to do in Zion, which is hiking Angel's Landing. Again, I don't have a picture of this, but you should definitely Google it. It is so high and it is so treacherous that to have attempted it, even though it wasn't raining, the fact that it had been raining and creating slick surfaces and couple that with the fact that Angel's Landing has these Like you're basically holding on to chain rails as you walk along and climb up this thing. It's really dangerous. You're not attached by a harness, but you probably should be. But they let, I mean, I don't know how many deaths they have a year there because people literally, I mean, it's it's dangerous. It's very dangerous. But the views of this place are incredible. Like definitely check out Angel's Landing, the hike. Google it, you'll be like, holy shit, dude. And I see something like that, and it just becomes my mission to accomplish it. I'm like, oh, that looks scary to you? Oh, that looks like it would be hard? Oh, I could die? Bet. You know? (laughs) Like, I'm a sicko. I don't know what to say. I don't know what to tell you. Because it would have been raining, we didn't get to do that. It's something that I want to do at some point. Hike Angel's Landing. It looks super dope. Wish me luck. We continued our trip... And as we left Zion, we ended up driving the rest of the way into Las Vegas. Vegas was the last trip and the last part of... Vegas was the last leg of our trip. We flew out of Vegas to go back home, but we arrived in Vegas on Tuesday night. 
and we booked two different hotels. So we had two nights in Vegas. We booked two different hotels, which is cool because I I, I, I want to be able to say that I've stayed in all these different hotels in Vegas, and I want to experience what all the other hotels are like. So previously, I've stayed in Mandalay Bay, and I've stayed in the Flamingo, and I've stayed in the Vidara, which is right next to the Aria. Really, really nice hotels. It was like brand new when we stayed there in 2015. We ended up staying the first night at Trump's hotel in Vegas. And um, look, we got a good deal. It's not anything like, oh, I'm such a Trump fan. I can't wait to stay here. No, that's not it at all. If you know me, come on, man. Come on. All right. Don't come around with that weak ass, whack ass bullshit. All right. But I will say this that hotel is nice as fuck. Seriously. That hotel was super nice. They have a casino down in the main floor. And I said, all right. All right, all right, all right. Daddy's home, daddy's home. Let's let the games begin. So I pull out $100, I go to the roulette tables, and I lost it pretty quick. I lost it pretty quick. It was like a uh, a warm-up, if you will, you know? But I lost 100 bucks pretty quick. But I was cool because I wasn't going to sit there and play too much longer. My mom booked tickets to go to Cirque du Soleil. They're doing a show called Mystery right now. So we went to Cirque du Soleil. I've been to Cirque du Soleil twice. I still have no fucking clue what's going on. I, I'm so lost watching. It's amazing. I have a ton of respect for the gymnasts and the performers. Like the strength that it takes to do the stuff that they're doing is incredible, right? But I'm always reminded of that scene from Knocked Up where Paul Rudd and Seth Rogen take the shrooms and they go to Vegas and they're seeing Cirque du Soleil and it like zooms in on that baby's face going, Papa, Papa. And it's, it's like, I don't fucking know what's going on, but I like it. <laughs> but I like it. You know, there's like a slug baby that's up on the stage. or some guy with really long hair that looks like the, the, the mad scientist from Call of Duty World at War, Nazi zombies running around. I'm like, I don't know what the hell is going on, but I like it. But I like it, you know. So the show was cool. And then um, we just took it pretty easy. Wednesday morning and Wednesday was our last day on this trip. And this is the day that I really wanted to be able to do some gambling and kind of just vibe out, meet some people, go connect, network with people, get some new listeners, have some experiences with total strangers, really just go and do my thing in Vegas. Independent of my mom and sister, who, by the way, were totally cool with it because they had a day planned out where they went to Soul Cycle in the morning, I slept in. After they got done, I met up with them, we got breakfast, and then it was kind of like, hey, what do you guys want to do today? And I wanted to kind of gamble and do all the things that I just said, and uh, they were kind of thinking, okay, well, let's maybe do a pool day, and then we'll do our thing tonight. We'll go to dinner, and I'm like, okay, cool. Well, we did not stay at the Trump Hotel on Wednesday night. We actually had a reservation at the Wynn. Well, when we get to the win, for some reason, I don't know why, they upgraded us to the Encore. So then we go over to the Encore, and I just kicked it by the pool for a few hours, did some stuff on social media, booked guests, you know, was working poolside, ordering drinks, and um, we probably hung out for a few hours, and then as they left the pool and they went to go get ready to do their thing that night, I continued drinking vodka Red Bulls. From about 1 p.m. until 11.30 p.m. 
that night, and I paced myself pretty well. You know, Vietnam dons in this bitch, World War II in this bitch, you feel me? I know how to do it and last and be the last man standing, and I've, I've been doing really well with that, going back to all these different uh, events and, and things that I've talked about on this show where I'm like, you know what? I'm really exercising good self-control here, and I'm really pacing myself. I'm drinking responsibly. I'm not binging. I'm not, well, okay, by definition, I guess I'm, I'm technically binging, but like, I'm not getting out of control with it, which is really, you know, I have a tendency sometimes to go off of the rails. Now, it's one thing to know these things. It's another to apply that knowledge. But the application of that knowledge is power, is true power, power over yourself and power over demons or addictions or vices that we reach for to try and make. But like, um, you know, not to get too philosophical here, an hour and a half into this thing, but I'm in a really good place. And so when I go to drink or I go to, you know, make a THC drink or eat an edible or something. I'm doing it just to enhance the experience and just to enjoy it responsibly. I'm not doing it because I'm trying to run from something or hide from something or numb myself to something, either a feeling or a reality or a truth. There's a big difference in that, you know, there's a big difference in that. So again, I will caution and warn, drink responsibly, but from about 1 p.m. to 11.30 p.m., I paced myself pretty well, but I was ordering double Ciroc on the rocks with a can of Red Bull. That's become my go-to drink now. When I go out, I'm just like, you know, I because, dude, here's the thing. Bartenders will make shitty tasting drinks. They think that they're hooking you up. Believe it or not, if you're buying a vodka Red Bull at a bar, guess what? They are charging you for the whole can of Red Bull, even though they fill a tiny cup with ice all the way to the brim. They dump vodka in it, and then they give you like a one or two second splash of Red Bull. Guess what happens to the rest of that can of Red Bull? They put it aside, they use it in four more drinks, but they charge some other schmuck for more Red Bull. You know, it's, it's like, it's, it's genius on their part. So if you're going to drink a drink with Red Bull, always ask for the can back, okay? I will not drink a, 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 a mixed drink from a bartender, Okay, it, it just doesn't taste good. I would rather have a glass, give me a double on the rocks of Ciroc or Tito's. You know, I like Tito's or Stoli sometimes. But give me double Ciroc on the rocks and a can of Red Bull and I will just sit there and take basically baby shot sips and just chase with Red Bull and that's just my my thing. So from, you know, 1.30 to 11.30 p.m., that's exactly what I did. Around 5 p.m., Okay, I'm at the pool around 5 p.m. I head back up to the room. I get cleaned up. Mom and Jillian were up there. They had left the pool earlier, and they were getting ready to go out to dinner and do some drinking and gambling and do their thing. But as I get up to the hotel room and see them, and we're all, all you know, all of us are kind of loose at that point, right? We ended up taking some selfies, getting really goofy with it, and just having a good time. And then Mom and Jillian went out to go do their thing. I laid down for a second, kind of recharged, got some water in me, and then I got ready to go out. And I called an Uber, and I headed off on my way to bankrupt some casinos. <laughs> now, you want to talk about bankruptcy, okay? The minimums post-COVID on the tables are way higher. 
it's fucking ridiculous. Okay, back in March, when Vegas was just opening back up, remember, Maddie and I were in Vegas in March, went to the very first pool party post-COVID, and literally ushered in a post-COVID era of Vegas, okay? OGs. But I was at the Bellagio playing roulette with $15 minimums. As I sit down at Encore, the minimums are $25. And I go, wow, that's kind of expensive. Where was I again? Oh, okay. I'm going to walk across the street and go somewhere else. I go to the win. It was either $25 or $50 minimums. I'm like, oh, dude, that's bullshit. I call an Uber. I go to the Bellagio. $50 minimums. I go to... Literally, I went to two other casinos. I, I can't remember. I think maybe one of them was Caesars. Um, I can't remember. Maybe it was just one. But all of the minimums were all like $50. I saw one that was $100. And, you know, some of the tables have like $100 minimums, and then they have smaller minimums. But like one of these places that I went to, I think it was Caesars, they were only doing $100 minimum tables on the roulette. And I'm like, dude... I'm not that kind of player, you know? I'm, I'm sitting here with my little system thinking I'm something, but I'm trying to bet the minimums, you know what I mean? So I end up just saying, well, $25 at Encore, and I don't have to go anywhere or worry about leaving at the end of the night. I guess I'm just going to go back there. That's the cheapest that I've seen. So I go back to Encore, and I got set up at a table on the floor around 7.30 p.m., and from 7.30 until 11.30 I held it down at the table, ordering free drinks, talking my shit, making new friends, vibing with the dealers, and winning and losing money. I literally had people who sat down and played with me that got up and came back later and were like, Ben, you're still here? Ben's still here? Let's go! The crowd loved me, okay? And dude, I'm telling you, when that ball is spinning around, I have to talk. I'm, 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 I have to just vocalize what's going through my mind. I'm saying, come on, be low, be low, or be high. Don't be this. Don't be that. Oh, fuck you. Fuck that. And I'm just, I don't know. I'm just, it, it's, it's a sight to watch me talk my shit while I'm, while I'm gambling and watching that ball spin, man. And I'll tell the dealers, you know, or the other people, like, I hate that I have to root against you, you know, it's nothing personal, but if somebody is talking their shit, hoping that they land something and it conflicts with what I'm hoping for, I'm like, I hate that I have to root against you, it's nothing personal, you know, I hate that I want you to lose, because honestly, the truth is, if this person, okay, this is just, this is, again, a life philosophy, but like, if I sit down at a table, and the person who's sitting next to me or across from the table hasn't done or said anything to make me not like them, then what do I care if they win or lose, right? I don't know them. I don't have any personal connection to them. But to me, the best case scenario is always if you're able to win simultaneously, win together, independently of each other, but together in in that you're celebrating wins, wins for different things, but it's like, hey, Good job, man. Good shit. Hey, girl, I see you. Good shit. Let's keep the fucking luck rolling, you know? And being able to celebrate in each other's successes. And that's true for me in roulette and gambling as it is in life. If we don't have a direct competition, if it's not like me versus you, who can put the most food on their table and it means like it's a zero-sum game, if you have a different business or you're in a different industry, which most of you are, why... like? Seriously, why would I root against you? Unless you're an asshole or you've wronged me, right? 
what incentive would I have to root against you? It makes no difference to me if you win or lose. Why would I spend that energy hoping for a loss for you? Like, that's just like chain-smoking toxicity, you know? That's like a treadmill of negativity to hope that someone lose. Like, these people, these haters that, like, wait on people for their downfall. It's just like, that's not that's not me. Now, people that I have vendettas against, you know, very legitimate vendettas, yeah, I hope they lose in everything that they do. But if it's you and me at a table and we're strangers and you've never done anything wrong to me, then why the hell would I care if you win or lose? You know what I mean? If we can win together, awesome. But that's that's just, I don't know. That's, that's what I've never understood about haters is why they actively root against somebody. And you know what it is? It's because they're miserable people. It's because they're not happy and they think that nobody else is entitled to happiness if they can't be happy. And so that's why you get so many people that root against other people or go out of their way to try and shit on people or shut people down. Dude, it's so lame. That is the biggest needle dick energy that I think exists. And um, I'm getting off on a tangent here, but that's just how I feel. You know, that's just how I feel. That's real talk. Okay. But anyways, let me get back to this because we're almost done here. Here was the situation. After four hours of gambling and 10 hours, a solid 10 hours of drinking, I thought that I had finally had enough. And this is the part of the story that hurts me a little bit. You know, that hurts me a little bit. You get a bunch of guys that come back from Vegas. They hide their losses. They make it sound like they knew what they were doing all along. Anybody that tells you that they have it figured out when they go to Vegas is full of shit. Do not listen to that person. They're an idiot. Don't listen to them. The house always wins. Okay, sometimes you get lucky, but usually the house is going to take your money. And if you get up on the house, bail. Even if it's $5, just bail, man. And be one of the people that say, leaving Vegas, you left with a little bit more money that you gambled rather than what you came in with. The last time I was in Vegas with Maddie, I did. I made $25 on 200 bucks that I pulled out of the ATM and that $25 bought us some Chick-fil-A at the end of the trip. You know, that was great. This time, I had pulled out over the course of two days, you know, the first 100 the day before, and then while I'm sitting here gambling and drinking at the table, I pulled out a total of $250. And you know what? That $250 kept me alive the entire time I was at the table in Encore. So for four hours, 7.30, 8.30, 9.30, 10.30, 11.30, five hours, for five hours, I stayed alive and I held it down and I went up and down and over and out and I came roaring back late in this game. At 11.30, I stopped, okay? But I'm telling you, I think at my lowest point, I was down to $40. But later in the night, I come back up and I'm sitting there and I've got $395 on the table. And I look around and the people that I started with at the beginning of the night, are long gone. The dealers that I started with are long gone. And sitting there with more money than I started with, staring back at me on the table, after having consumed God knows how many double vodka Red Bulls, I said, Benny, I think it's time to get the fuck out of here. So I traded my chips and I prepared to cash out. But here's the thing. When you're staring 
at $395 in $5 chips on a table, it looks like a lot of money. And the part of your brain that has like logic goes, hey, that's more than you started with. Maybe you should cash out, okay? Well, I got like 50% of the way there because my brain goes, hey, let's trade these in with the dealer. Let's get ready to go take these to the window. But then as I'm sitting there looking at three $100 chips, three $25 chips, and four $5 chips, it's so easy to go, you know what? If I take these $100 chips, there's only two of them, right? It's not like I'm putting a lot of chips on the table. I'll just take these two $100 chips and I'll put them down either on the, you know, the way that I bet in roulette is um, you can do 1 to 12, 13 to 24, 25 to 36, right? And my thing is if you cover two of those, you probably have a pretty good shot at covering. Better than 50% because you've got two-thirds of the board covered. Now, depending on what kind of a table you're playing on, you could always come up on the green zero or green double zero, and the odds and the probability get skewed a little bit. But if you take one to 24 and just leave the highs out, well then, hey, you probably got a pretty good shot of hitting that. And if you lay down $100 on one to 12, and you lay down $100 on 13 to 24, and you hit on one of those, guess what? You lost $100, but you won $200. And so you net gain $100. This is a little trick that I figured out. It doesn't always work. It's not 100%, but more times than not, you can start to really kind of get some money. Now, sometimes you just have shit luck, and you guess wrong, and that sucks. But this is how I was able to stay alive for five hours on the roulette tables and how I've been able to leave Vegas with more money than I initially started gambling with on previous trips is using this. So I'll go high, high, I'll go low, high, I'll go low, low, just depends on what I'm feeling, what's coming up, you go off feel. But man, I take $200 down and I'm thinking, okay, I'm up, yeah, I'm gonna leave with more money than I pulled out. But if I put down 200 bucks and one of these hits, I'm going to get 200 bucks back plus my 100 that's already on the table and I might leave here with 495 instead of 395. Even though I swore if I got up past even and made my money back, I was walking out, I had traded in my chips, I had every intention to go upstairs, call it a night, and I, I had literally been having that like come to Jesus talk with myself like, Benny, if we can just get back up to even. Hey, now we're above even. Hey, now we got more money. Hey, okay. We said this would be it. Literally on the bet that pushed me up to 395, I said, if I hit on this one, I will be done. And I traded in my chips and I'm sitting there at the table and I'm looking at the dealer who just has me pegged and knows who I am, having spent only a small amount of time with me because he's seen many of me come in there and tell yourself one thing, but then you just can't help yourself. And what did I do? Did I count my blessings and walk away? Did I tell myself that I got what I came for? Did I leave Vegas with more money than I came in with? (laughs) Of fucking course not. 
I threw down the 200, and I watched the ball spin, and when that ball landed on the fucking green zero, it felt like somebody hit me in the stomach with a baseball bat. But instead of chasing to get back to that point and getting back on that merry-go-round, I got off and I cashed out. Something I should have done when I had the chance, and maybe it was the alcohol, maybe it was the ego, maybe it was greed, but I tried to get that one last win in there when I should have walked away, but I ended up losing that 200 bucks and calling it a night. All in all, I cashed out the remaining 195 I had in my hands, and I finished with a net loss of 155 during my time in Vegas, which yes, that is a loss. However, I feel that I left a major winner for two reasons. One, if they would have put a bill down in front of me at the table for all the double Ciroc's and cans of Red Bull that I drank and added in gratuity, it easily would have been over $200. So I come out on top there alone because if you're sitting at the table and you're gambling, they give you free drinks and <laughs> you know, I easily drank more than $200 worth of alcohol sitting there as long as I did. So that's a big win. And then two, I got exactly what I wanted. You know, I wasn't sitting down because I'm a real player or because I was sitting here and I had to win the money or I was hell-bent on it or anything. I was just there to sit down, chop it up, talk some shit, get some free drinks, have some fun with the dealers, have some fun with the people on the table, have some skin in the game, and just be there, you know? Hold it down and just create that little scene. And I did that for four hours, which honestly is pretty good. Like, you know, for 250 bucks to have kept me alive that whole time, um, just an initial what I pulled out of the ATM. And then, like I said, you know, I was I was up, I lost. I, I, I wish I that would be cool if they could tell you like, hey, here's how much you lost total. Here's how much you won total. Here's what you walked away with and finished. Because I don't actually know how much money that, you know, I, I know the totals at the end, but but over the course of five hours, I don't know how much money that I actually gambled or bet. You know what I mean? That would be kind of cool. But I held it down for five hours. I had people coming back up and be like, Ben, Benny's still here. Look at the kid. Look at him go. And I was... And I created that experience at that table. And to me, that is priceless. It's priceless. It's priceless. <laughs> I got exactly what I wanted, you know? And then I took that money and I got another Uber and I went through in and outs drive through and I had the Uber driver drop me back off at the hotel and I sat in a lounge with my headphones in, in Encore, surrounded by groups of people drinking well into the night and I held it down absolutely big chilling, going ham on my in and out and watching Survivor. <laughs> Survivor season 41, dude. That's how I wrapped up the trip. I got back up to the hotel room, passed the fuck out. Thursday morning, we check out of the hotel. We got to the airport. I read the story about Terrence Williams and the fraudulent medical scam and um, the medical claim scheme that he was leading. And... Uh, as I'm sitting there on the plane, I just started laughing because I'm just like, you know what? Even though this has nothing to do with L, this happened after he left L. no affiliation other than the fact that T. Will went there. It's just, it feels like another scandal. You know, it feels like one more scandal. Like, of course, 
this would happen to a U of L player at this point. Like it felt so on brand for U of L. And at this point, I just I think it's funny. Like U of L fans can get mad about this, but over the last, you know, since since what, 2015, 2016, 2017, whenever the FBI, I think it was 2017 when the FBI stuff started to go down and Rick Pitino, but like even before then with Rick's other various scandals, there has just been scandal after scandal after scandal to come out of Louisville. And then you get this Dino Gaudio shit and more infractions that have been added to U of L's case, which is still pending, by the way, which just got worse with all that shit. That was ridiculous. Honestly, just pay the fucking guy so he shuts the fuck up and you don't have to pay and you don't have to get jammed up any harder than you already are. Like, why didn't you just pay him the 17-month salary or lump sum and make him shut the fuck up? It's called a hush payment. Louisville knows about hush payments, okay? Get you an Andre McGee, but you know what? Then maybe here we go with this cycle. Like, somebody's like, hey, you shouldn't have to have hush payments. Yeah, but it's kind of the deal in college athletics. The Dino Gaudio stuff was pretty minor ticky-tack shit, but, you know, it's just like Louisville cannot distance itself from scandal and at this point there's been so many scandals between Katina Powell and Karen Seifer and Dino Gaudio and the FBI stuff and uh, all that pay for play and then you get one of the best players to come through Louisville Terrence Williams who was a star while he was there that's caught up in a scam and a, a fraudulent scheme like as the ringleader of it it just feels like, you know what, it has nothing to do with L, but it feels so on brand that at this point you can't deny it. Like, Louisville is just a scandalous program. And I think it's kind of perfect that this is where I call home because I've been in a few myself and I am the Derby City Don. And for this to be where I call home... And to have scandals so synonymous with it. Now, I hope I never have to go through any other scandals in my life. I hope my scandalous days are done. Okay? But I do have some scandalous stories. And it's just, I don't know. It's just, it's like, um, meant to be, I guess. I don't fucking know. There's something there. (laughs) I don't know. But, yeah, man. I I read that as we were about to take off. And um, I thought that was pretty funny. And think that connection is kind of funny as well. So, fly back home, get back home, and um, it was an incredible trip. Maddie and I are planning a trip, which I talked about at the top of this. It's going to be keeping me on the road for the first three weeks of November. And then, like I said, I'm going to get back, turn around, fly right to Cabo for Thanksgiving to meet my family down there. I will be traveling the entire month of November. So, we're going to be doing more interviews I'm going to be doing mini episodes. I will keep you updated as we figure that out. I'm just going to, as we go along, you know, put stuff out. When we do really cool stuff, when we camp at these different parks. um, Yeah, I'm going to document that as we go along and uh, bring my stuff with me. So that's going to be awesome. In the meantime, I'm going to be shopping my shit out there and trying to get things set up for 2022 and beyond. So wish me luck follow along subscribe share rate review and hashtag the fuck out of i ride with benny t that's it for me i am benny t and that is real talk